Yes, hello folks, welcome to a weekly Manchester United podcast. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown of Beyond the Pitch. I'm doing this at home. Um, my kids are here, so apologies if any background noise um, you know, makes its way onto this podcast. As most of you who are parents will know asking their kids to stay quiet is a futile exercise. Don't listen to me anyway. So hopefully you can get through this and not be too long. Uh, just a quick reaction to Galatasaray game, my thoughts. Um, felt compelled to record this. We'll still do my podcast this week with James. Um, get that out either Wednesday or Thursday. Um, but uh, And then we'll probably move that podcast to Monday going forward. We'll start doing it live really soon, so we'll open it up for feedback, questions, and everything else. Uh, we're looking forward to developing and improving that podcast as the weeks go by. And to do that, we're going to need your feedback so please get in touch with us if there's anything that we're not doing that we should be doing that you'd like us to do anything like that um and we'll certainly take it into consideration uh that podcast will change quite a bit over the next couple of months hopefully for the better um but uh we appreciate all your support the best way you can continue to support us is subscribe to the beyond the pitch youtube channel um and any of our other distribution platforms uh, for a podcast or anything like that follow the the, the the twitter feed and all that it's very much appreciated um all right galatasaray extremely extremely concerning disappointing um and uh very worrying for lots of different reasons i don't want to focus too much on the palace game the weekend um i'll point a few things out that i think are relevant to the overall point that I'm going to make, and of course relevant to uh, tonight's result. Um, I'll also give you my thoughts on Ten Hag and Anana and everything else. Um, I understand that everyone feels their their own way about this. Maybe my feelings will change in a week. I don't know. I can only tell you how this how I feel right now and how it represents my uh, views. And um, you don't have to agree, but I'll tell you anyway. Uh, so, you know, after the Burnley game, you know, when one nil, you're thinking, all right, they have a number of fixtures at home where if you need to get yourself out of a slump, you need to build momentum, you need to build confidence, these are the types of fixtures you want. Not extremely easy games, but games United should be winning. Games United don't need to be at their best to be winning. Especially after beating Palace 3 0 in the Carabao, you're thinking, okay, it's back to back wins, back to back clean sheets. You should be bringing some confidence into the game against Palace at the weekend. And it was easy for Palace to beat United. Uh, all they had to do was score first and then do the basics at this level remain compact, discipline, defend. You know, and United become really predictable. Um, United have a very predictable attack. When Marcus Rashford, Bermain, this is before tonight, Rasmus Horton was exceptional tonight. I accept that. And he's probably the only reason why I don't want to throw myself off a roof right now. Um, but looking at the Premier League, United still haven't solved a major problem that existed last season. And that was they need to get goals from someone other than Marcus Rashford. And outside of Marcus Rashford, I don't think teams feel that United have the quality to really hurt them. You know, young Palestri, to me, still hasn't convinced me he's good enough for this level. Um, he had a chance against Palace at the weekend. He tried to take an extra touch that you don't get at this level, but he should have scored. 
these are small details, but they make a big difference. Um, these are details that, if you look at other top clubs, they they have the quality in that position. They don't they don't take the second touch. They score. And in fact, we saw this tonight when Marcus Rashford when he tried to score the ball. Obviously, for Rashford, it's a question of confidence, but these are the things that affect a result. So, United, of course, fall behind against Palace and predictably can't cut them open because the movement of the midfield is really poor. Look at the defence when they come out with the ball. How many times do you see a defender look for that second ball, throw their hands in the air and play it sideways because the midfield doesn't drop. There's no interplay, there's no you know, the symmetry in how you need to play, there's no pattern of play. It's just really one-dimensional stuff. Uh, it's the type of thing you see in a team when they haven't really played together and they're not quite sure how to play the way the manager's asking them to play. There's no rhythm yet. It also happens a lot, to be fair, when you're constantly having to change the lineup. Okay, because... You know, when you're bringing in new players, they you have to understand the personality. They do everything different. It's like a, a an orchestra constantly changing the musicians. Yes, the notes are the same, but everyone plays with their own personality. Everyone plays in a different way. And it's very difficult for a conductor to get synchronicity in an orchestra when you're constantly changing the musicians. Doesn't matter how good you are, it takes time to find that uh, telepathy that 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 you know that, that where everything is synchronized that synchronicity you don't have that and when you don't have that you're relying on a couple of things you're relying on a piece of individual magic which they're not getting right now a mistake from the opposition right or a counter attack when you look at some of the goals tonight counter attack right first goal counter attack boiling you know, second goal, mistake, counter-attack, brilliant pace, strength, goal. Doesn't come from cutting Galatasaray open. So, this is still a problem. Um, and that's I, I, I a problem Ten Hag has to fix now. So, it's still very much a team plays individuals, but you can't defend as individuals, you see what happens tonight. But I think there's other reasons that, that, that deserve to be mentioned. Some of them, some people are going to say their excuses are not there. But uh, their explanations. And if you go back to last season when United played Sevilla, the last time they played in Europe, um, they conceded, what was it, five goals over those two legs. And maybe you remembering this wrong, but I think United were 2-0 up when Alessandro Martinez got carried off. And all of a sudden, McGuire comes on. And obviously, McGuire didn't play tonight, so can't blame him. But the nervousness kept back into United's defence. And I conceded horrendous goals. Really, really, really bad goals at this level. And I remember saying to myself, those goals don't happen. Especially the first one when De Gea tried to basically repeat what Anana did tonight. Right? Made a mistake trying to play it from the back. Conceded a really bad goal. I remember saying that doesn't happen if Lissandro Martinez is playing. Lissandro, if, if you never have a fit back four, okay, that Ten Hag would pick if I was fit. Aaron Wambasaka. Diojo Dalo doesn't play if Wambasaka is fit. 
I don't think United can see that first goal tonight if Wan-Bissak is playing. Wolf Zaha, you remember the last time they played Palace, constantly complimented a Wan-Bissak on his one-on-ones. He's physically stronger than Dallow, he's a better defender than Dallow, and I don't think that happens. Um, if Lissandro Martinez, for me, the two hardest defenders United have to replace are Lissandro Martinez and Aaron Wan-Bissaka because they have such a unique skill set there is no like-for-like replacement. Martinez is still United's only left-footed centre-back so they're going to have to play it to sort out. Um, and when you take those two out of the team it's far more obvious than when you take anyone else out. Luke Shaw, one of the best left-backs in the league last season. The goal against Palace where Amrabat gives, you know, gives a free kick away you know, in a left-back position. I don't think happens if Shaw's playing. Tonight, where Amrabat was getting exploited a bit down the left, um, especially on Galatasaray's second goal, United had a warning just before that, didn't heat it, you know, get exploited again down the left. Um, I don't think that goal happens if Luke Shaw's playing. Um, or even if Terrell Molassi is playing. Two left-backs. Um, when you are constantly playing in that position, there are things you can't coach that you learn. You know, anticipation, how to sense danger, where to be, a certain focus, a certain awareness, and 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 certain spacing. You know, the, it just comes with experience over time. I mean, I coach kids, and there are certain things that just come with experience about how to read a game. You know, that you don't learn from coaching. So when you're putting players in positions that they're not familiar with. Especially if it's completely dissimilar to the position they play, you get these types of mistakes. You know they're technically good on the ball. You know they'll they'll, they'll fill in for you. They'll do a decent job, but there are subtle differences. You know Amrabat played a cardion for the third goal. Now Varane should definitely be aware of where Accardi is, so it's also his mistake. Um, I was also a bit surprised at how slow Varane was getting back. Um, definitely Varane Lindelof should do better but I think they were shocked that Amrabat was still in there um, none of this is Amrabat's fault I think he um, is a very very good footballer and if he's played in the position he was bought in um, bought to play then we see uh, a much better balanced United Ten Hag has to deal with an unbelievable situation having all three left backs out You know, it's difficult to criticise him in a situation like that's not that's not his fault. Um and that would have a negative impact on any Premier League club, Manchester City, any club, right? Um and it's obviously having a major impact on United. So if you look at United's back four, that Onana was bought to play he hasn't had a chance to play in front of it yet, or behind it yet. Um that also has a significant impact on a goalkeeper. There's no consistency in the back four. Um, constantly changing the defenders, not being able to build up any type of understanding with your defenders is going to affect your goalkeeper. Um, Andrew Nana is a guy that was in the Champions League final last year for Inter Milan. He was in the Europa League final before for Ajax. I don't believe he's a really bad goalkeeper. 
I think he's a guy that's suffering with his, with, with, with the loss of confidence, of course. Um, but I think it's a collective thing. I think for United, they don't defend well as a as a unit, and so it's very easy to get exposed. Um, I said before the Bayern Munich game that that was the first goal I could really fault him for. I would argue that he probably was responsible for, or could have done better on all three goals tonight, um, or two at least. You know, and of course the penalty, he's responsible for getting Casemiro sent off, no question. Um, I think he could have helped Dallow out by coming for that ball, and the Accardi one where Accardi straight through weirdly goes to the ground. Um, you know, I don't. He sort of made Accardi's mend up for him, and made it easy. He shouldn't be getting chipped on the ground in a six-yard box. That's 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 poor goalkeeper. There's no doubt. But then comes the question with the goalkeeper, because it's delicate. Do you help him by leaving him out? Or do you help him by supporting him? It's a big decision for Ten Hag that he has to get right. I think he'll still support him. You know, but it, 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 that can't go on indefinitely. You know, Amanda drops a clanger this weekend against Brantford and costs United points. It'd be very, very difficult for him to recover from that and, and continue mentally uh, to remain, you know, indifferent to a lot of the criticism because over the next few days it's going to be unbearable. He's going to be getting criticism on TV and all the, the radio channels. He's going to get slaughtered on, on social media. Everything will be very difficult. few days for him. I don't think he's been in a situation in his career before where he's going to have this type of scrutiny and questioning. So you're going to find out an awful lot about his mental strength. Um... But I do have some sympathy for Ten Hag. And I know I'm not telling you to feel the same way I feel. Lots of people, you know, are angry and all that there, you know, question himself. I'm sure even he is questioning himself to a degree. But this guy last season, the you know, done an exceptional job in my opinion. An, an exceptional job. He won United a trophy, brought dignity back, he brought respect back. Um, and I think he he done as much as you could ask him with the squad that he had. One of the things they talked about that he needed to change was culture, and he absolutely does. I don't know if he can change it, because I think cult the culture at United is causal, you know, be, you know, has a causal relationship with the owners. They are the ones that set the culture. Ultimately, they're the ones that, you know, set the incentives and set the discipline, and that's what shapes culture. You know, what what is what is rewarded and what is punished, you know, and so. They were the ones that created a culture where players, if they didn't like a manager, could get them sacked. And there's a number of players in that United dressing room who have never won anything. I mean, nothing of significance. What has Harry Maguire won? What has Marcus Rashford won? What has Scott McTominay won? You know, Victor Lindelof, Juan Bissaka, Luke Shaw. What do they actually want? And I'm not blaming them specifically. I'm not saying you know that they're the people creating problems, but as I said on my previous podcast, winners, absolute winners, bring their own standards. They would find an environment that coddles failure offensive, and they'll move on somewhere else. Other clubs that have really good players but aren't really good teams have the same problem. They eventually lose those players. Brighton, 
exceptional club, but as soon as players reach a certain level, they want to leave. Harry Kane left Spurs for the same reason. Right? United gobbled up Robin Van Persie for the same reason. So, when you're talking about changing the culture, United cannot allow players who have never won anything to constantly get rid of managers. But that's exactly what they've done because to them, well, these players are worth a certain amount on resale value. You know how obsessed United are with resale value. And of course, the fact that if they sell someone, they have to replace them. So they really don't like getting rid of players. So they'll be sitting there going, well, I'm not taking a hit on this player and this player and this player to get them out to change the culture. I'd rather just sack the manager. Because like I said before, I don't believe the owners of that football club are trying to win the league. So I don't think they really care about a zero tolerance policy inside the football club for failure. As long as they finish the top four, they're all right. So second ten hard to me won't change anything. Maybe in the short term, but not in the long term. Um and I, as I said, I think he's done an exceptional job. I think this season he's been really unlucky with injuries to key players that he can't replace, that United don't have the depth to replace. And you might get away with something like that at City, but you're not getting away with something like that at United. Um, that obviously affects confidence. It affects everything else. Um, you know, if you take a look at uh, the midfield, you know, you... you United's probably last really good performance was Arsenal in uh, pre-season. Kavimani plays, gets injured in the next game against Real Madrid. He's out for months. Ahmad, Sean Promise, gets injured, out for months. Anthony has to have a temporary leave of absence at a time when United badly need him. Um, Jaden Sancho, you know, another £72 million winger, down in tools, behaving like a smart dodge. That's a very, very difficult job. Very, very difficult job. Um, Marcus Rashford's form has been really poor all season. But not just his form, his body language. And look, I said this after Spurs. When he got taken off against Spurs and threw his shin guards down. Like, he just doesn't look right. People saying it's his contract and we got a new contract. I don't believe that. I think when Marcus Rashford takes the field, he desperately wants to play well. But I think... He's dissatisfied with certain things, and that's then he's right. For Ten Hag to implement disciplinary measures that players will accept, most of the time they don't want to deal with disciplinary measures, he has to has to win. You're not going to get that from players. Complete commitment and obedience if you're losing. You're in a position of weakness. But this is a really, this is a gut check for United. Because even if Ten Hag is the raw is, is not the right guy, what you can't do is you can't once again send a message to players that their insubordinates is getting the manager sacked. So if Ten Hag is to have any chance at all of turning this around, it's it's gonna require complete support from the club itself, and they're going to have to send a message to the players that we have the stomach for this fight, that you will be kicked out of this football club if you don't do exactly what the manager demands. 
And if you do what the manager demands and he fails, then we'll sack the manager. But if you don't do what the manager demands and he fails, okay, then you're partly responsible for that failure and that's the culture that Tim Hag needs to change. That under Ferguson, that was the culture under Ferguson. That was the culture under Sir Mark. That's the culture at football clubs that win repeatedly. Okay. So even if, like I say, if Tim Hag's the wrong guy, and I'm still, he still has my support, that absolutely must change. I think if he has his strongest team on that on the on the pitch, that's still a really good team. And I think that, you know, you look at the United played Barcelona last season. I think they so look at how many games they had in February. They had eight games in the last February. They were exceptional. They think they won all of them. Beat Barcelona. Um beat uh you know Newcastle and all that they're exceptional. He had United at that level. That they were the Spanish champions. Barcelona are a much better team than Galatasaray. He's the same coach that did that. I believe if he has all his players fit, or the vast majority of them fit, United would find form and find momentum. The injuries are definitely a major factor as to why we're seeing what we're seeing. But of course he's not blameless. Of course he has to take responsibility for some of the things that are happening on the pitch. Um, that shouldn't be happening. You know, it should be defending better. No question. It should be more organized. No question. Like, but when when I hear Ten Hag talk in press conferences and use words like desire, use words like uh, have to work harder, and things along those lines, that's really concerning. And 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 here's the thing: those are things Ten Hag's not responsible for. Those are things that players are responsible for. You bring your standards, okay, self-discipline, desire, all the things that are intrinsic in a human being. So it's not Ten Hag's responsibility for players to show up desperately want to win. That's a player's responsibility. It's not Ten Hag's responsibility to bring all the intangibles that are required to be successful at this level. If you don't bring those as a player, then you cannot succeed. So for me, when I hear him talk about things like work ethic, you know, uh, desire or, you know, little things, that, that's a major concern to me because those are the things that aren't coachable. Individual errors, Ten Hag is not responsible for. Ten Hag wasn't, you know, Bruno Fernandez's chance that he missed early on the first couple of minutes that he should have done better with. Not Ten Hag's fault. The Onana mistakes, okay. Ten Hag bought Onana. But individual errors, you know, human beings make individual errors. We saw the weekend with VAR with Liverpool, right? Human beings do that. What has to be, what, 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 where Ten Hag needs to get united is into a position where those individual errors are not costly. Okay? But. You know, David De Gea made an abundance of individual errors. Harry Maguire made an abundance of individual errors. Right? It wasn't Ten Hag's fault that Marcus Rashford straight through on goal. Somehow made the decision to score a ball. I guarantee you that Marcus Rashford, the back of his head, he's hearing all that criticism about decision making. 
and probably was indecisive in that moment because he's overthinking it. Marcus Rashford last season would have put that ball in the bottom corner. He's not confident. Um, you know, uh, uh, it, it wasn't um, Ten Hag's fault that, uh, that he doesn't have a fit left back. Uh, no question about it, even just one left back. I think if he has one left back, you know, they probably don't lose the pass because I don't think they give that free kick away and they probably don't lose tonight. But he's not getting much luck at the moment with injuries and those have a big impact on results. He will probably be doubting himself to a degree at this point because he's never found himself in his position in his career before where he's under this much pressure where he has to turn this massive machine around. I really hope he does, because I think he's a top-class manager. I think he is someone that's trying really hard to introduce standards at United that should that should be that should have already been there, and make sure they're consistently applied. It's not an easy football club to manage. There's constant chaos going on behind the scenes. They don't provide an environment that makes it easy to be successful. It's a very, very difficult club to manage. United are weighed down by their history. It demands certain things of the present that the football club is incapable of delivering on because it doesn't have the infrastructure, it doesn't have the investment that's needed. And United are essentially what Arsenal were under Wenger. You know, if United had proper investment, they have the same Hurricane this summer, like Bayern Munich did. Bayern Munich won their league last season and they won it by a goal. Right? Goal different. Still went out the same. Probably the top striker in the world. Nah, it's not a criticism of Hoyland. I think Hoyland's an exceptional young striker and he's really, really encouraging tonight. Right? But you go saying Hurricane. Arsenal, eight points clear in April. Go out and saying uh, Declan Rice, a player United would have signed years ago. They can't get those players anymore. Players don't want to go there anymore and you know, don't have the money to do it anymore. So they're not sending players of that caliber. Real Madrid, Jude Bellingham, completely transformative, brilliant footballer, world-class talent, shows up in games when you need it. You know, they don't have that money to do that anymore or the lure. So um, we have to face reality. And say in that United team right now, there's maybe one or two players capable of reaching a world class level. I would say Bruno Fernandes is capable of reaching a world class level. I would say that Marcus Rashford, like he did last season, is capable. I didn't say he's a world class player, but he's capable of reaching a world class level. I would say to that, you know, Casemiro's probably a level below world class right now. Anthony, nowhere near that. Rasmus Hoyland might become that. Very, very encouraging performance. Probably the best performance I've seen from a central striker at United in a long, 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 long time. Um, Rafael Varane's not a world-class defender anymore. Lissandro Martinez may be almost there. Luke Shaw, almost. Juan Wan-Bissaka, you know, good defender, not good enough going forward. You know, so in reality... You know, he has, a, for me, a squad of players that's probably the third or fourth best team in the Premier League. Behind Liverpool, Arsenal, 
inside in my opinion so yes of course they're underperforming this season but when United are fully fit I think um, with a fully fully strength squad I think they're, they're, you know he would he would have them there thereabouts but once they get injuries you know the depth of that football club is nowhere near good enough I mean they're bringing on Van de Beek a player they can't even find a club for Harry Maguire that no one else will touch you know Scott McTominay, not a bad player, but not a game, not a guy that's going to transform the game. Christian Eriksen, a free transfer. He was exceptional second half, to, to be fair. But someone that should be there to supplement the squad. Because he was a free transfer, he was on his last legs. You know, let's be realistic about what Ten Hag's actually dealing with. Amrabat, decent player. You know, on loan. You know, but prior to the World Cup, most people had barely heard of Amrabat. Good player, to be fair. But lots of clubs have really good players at the top. You know, playing Johnny Evans in centre-back. Not Ten Hag's fault, but it's a reflection of the injuries that exist at the football club. Um... And how thin the squad really is. Going to Bayern Munich and bringing what he bring four goalkeepers on the bench for a Premier League club. A club that used to parade itself on its academy net under 18s and started really well. I think they've won all six games. But the gap between the under 18s and the first team's massive. You know, they should have more depth in you know the under 20, 20, the, the 21s or 23s. They should have more depth there if they could call upon. We all know how that is. You know, to be fair, some of the better young players are injured, like I said, Amrabat and Amak. But look, the positives are I thought Mason Mount had his best game for United on the back of his previous. I thought he played quite well against Palace the weekend um, and had a decent game, really good game in the Carabao. So there's some momentum there. Um, I think once they get a fit left back and put Amrabat in the midfield, you'll see a better balance in defensive structure. I think once they they can get obviously uh, with Martinez being out long term, that's a big concern. Um, if they sell Jaden Sancho in January, which they probably won't be able to, it'll have to be a loan option. They have to find the money for a centre back in January. They have to a left footed centre back, um, and um. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they didn't want to sign Pavard because I don't think they rated him as a long-term defensive option. Um, but that's definitely something they're going to have to look at because uh, they're they're too porous in the middle, and um, you know there's obviously areas in that squad that need addressed. Um, but I still feel that when the majority of that team is fit, that's a really strong team. It's capable of beating anyone on their day. Remember, they had to beat Liverpool at home last season. They beat City at home last season. They beat Barcelona at home last season. You know, they they were capable of matching almost anyone. They beat the best team in the world 2-1 at home last season. If they had a strength and properly in January when they were in a title race, who knows what would have happened? They'd have bought a proper striker. Who knows what would have happened? You know, so... I think we need to understand people are angry, but in my opinion, Ten Hag still has earned my trust. And um, 
I still behind him 100%. Um, Rasmus Hoyland, like I said, probably the best performance from a, a Santa striker I've seen in since Anthony Martial was in his prime. You know, I know Cavani had some good games, Ronaldo had some good games, but the completeness of Hoyland's game, the variety, the strength, his running, you know, that, that second goal was fantastic. Spends a guy, you know, inside United's half, runs the length of the field, holds him off. You know, not easy running at pace, keeping the ball under control, holding the defender off, and then a gorgeous finish. A finish he almost did against Crystal Palace at the weekend, had it kicked off the leg. So very, very encouraging things there. Um, but yeah, no, no getting away from it. It's been a, a catastrophic start, disaster. And um, this is going to take... This is going to be a massive test of United as a football club and Ten Hag as a manager to turn this around. And I really hope the football club support him. All right, folks, we're going to go leave it there. Um, 33 minutes of waffle. Apologies. Um, thanks to all of you for downloading the podcast. And like I said, we'll be back either tomorrow or Thursday with James. Take it easy, folks.